Welcome to the FinTV podcast series, where we tap into the collective expertise of the world's leading supply chain, manufacturing, and digital innovators. My name is Maria Villablanca, the co-founder and CEO of Future Insights Network, and I'll be your host. Join us every week to hear the opinions, lessons, and general guidelines from the industry's leading minds. FinTV, insights for today's digital leaders. And this week, we're delighted to welcome Larry Boyer, who is futurist, technologist, and author of the forthcoming book, The Robot in the Next Cubicle. So, fascinating sounding topic, uh, which carries lots of exciting things, a few scary things as well. So, we're going to get into some of the ideas that you're currently working with, but maybe for, for the start, you could just tell us a bit about yourself and your sort of professional journey and career so far. Sure. Um... You know, it's been one that kind of has moved around a little bit over the, the course of the years. Um, actually started out working, uh, doing research. The, the first job I actually worked in was a um, fascinating project working on how do you make decisions that affect future generations on a time scale of 10,000 years. Okay. <laughs> small uh, task. Yes, yeah, small, small task. It was uh, work with the National Academy of Public Administration here in the U.S., and the context around that was nuclear waste, but it could be applied to many other problems like climate change and anything else where we're you know, having long-term implications of decisions that we're, we're making today. Um, so that was a, a fascinating project. Um, you know, we worked with a, a panel of, of experts um, across disciplines, everything from uh, nuclear scientists and biologists to ethicists and um, people from uh, different native cultures um, you get a wide variety of, of perspectives about how do you think about the future on that kind of a, a time scale. I then went into um, working in consulting and risk management and forecasting risk. So it's a lot, again, thinking about the future and what do we do about it today and how do we mitigate risks that, that, that happen. Yeah. There with Pricewaterhouse for five years and then moved on to Freddie Mac, where I also did um, modeling like that again for uh, about nine years there again what, what i did there that was really interesting i think was working really with all of the individuals so a lot of times um, think about risk management done at a very high level and aggregate um, but i worked with actually all, all of the individuals so i learned a lot about how do individuals behave how do you segment them how are they different from each other and how are the impacts uh, of what's happening in the economy different? And then how do you manage those risks? So it's a forward-facing, future, futuristic uh, view, view by the sounds of it. So um, I guess if we, if we get to where we are right now, you're, you're wrestling with a concept which, you know, we, we're talking about manufacturing supply chain a lot. But the topic that we're really talking about here also affects everything, affects people, affects our personal lives, our social uh, lives. So in and out of work, this is this is really powerful, profound concept. So we're getting some of the specifics in in, in the conversation. But overall, what are the the technologies and the changes that are coming, and how are they going to impact our professional uh, and personal lives? What are the, what are those big ones that you're thinking about at the moment? Sure. Well, you know, there's a long list of, of technologies, and in, in the book, actually try to list out as many of them as possible, um, right? So artificial intelligence is, is obviously one of the, the hot topics and then all of the analytics that's related to, to artificial intelligence. Blockchain technology is another one that, that there's a lot of, of talk about. 
um, a lot of work actually in uh, the medical field um, and things that not only help us cure diseases, but extend life. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of things to think about, um, you know, start living longer. Uh, you know, or, you know, a child that's born today can expect to live to be about 110 years old. Um, wow. um, you know, what, what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for work? What does that mean for companies and, and businesses? There's a lot of questions there that, you know, we just haven't really even thought to, to grapple with, um, you know, on, on many levels. Um, you know, well, there's drones, there, there's, there's lots of, lots and lots of technologies, new, new materials, material science is another fascinating one. And, and how well prepared do you think people and companies are with regards to embracing this new technology? I think it, it varies. Um, uh, but I think you know there's still a lot more work that can be done, even by the, the companies that are are embracing the, the new technologies. Uh, again, there's work to integrate them in. Um, there's just awareness of what the different technologies are, and then where I think we're really behind on is integrating this in with the people and the teams on, that we're, we're working with. Um, very rarely do you hear people talking about articulating a a clear vision about what the future is and what we need to be doing today to get there. Um, you know, the way our companies typically have, have run is, you know, when new technologies come in, people either learn them really quickly, or if they don't, they're laid off and you find people who can already have those skills and you replace them. That's a typical business model. But with all of these new technologies, nobody knows them. Um, right, we see a little bit of that today with the war for, for talent, um, right, but there just aren't enough people who know this. And so how do you, again, I think if you can articulate that vision of where you're going and then you bring the entire company of, of people along with you, you can get there and not lose a lot of talent, a lot of institutional knowledge. Do you think companies get distracted by the individual pieces in the puzzle and then fail to do the things that you would do strategically otherwise, which would be map out your future, where you're getting to, or the key stages on the journey. Are we kind right. Of, is it, I'm letting everybody know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would help also, right? I think, um, so in terms of, of next steps, um, what can people do uh, as individuals? Because I suppose a corporate journey still starts with individuals learning and adapting. So right. what would your recommendation do for people to start to get their head around this the concept and then the technologies themselves. Sure. So I think you know what people need to start to do is learn, just become aware of what the technologies are. So spend time learning what what is out there and what are the things that are going to impact them and their their industries, and to start to learn and, and, and play around with them. Uh, I think you know one of the interesting concepts I had seen a little while ago was um, augmented reality, which is another you know breakthrough, breakthrough technology, and. Uh, you know, a lot of people dismissed it, right? But there's the, the game Pokemon Go. Um, and a lot of people were very dismissive of it, but it's like, this is the easiest way for you to get an exposure to what augmented reality is. Right? You've got the tool in your hand and you know, maybe you don't, maybe you think the game itself is silly, but you can start to see how it works. Yeah. And augmented reality is definitely one of those technologies that's going to, and it already is making inroads in a lot of, of areas. Larry, do you think there's something to be said about the pace of change uh, in terms of the fact that some people think that the future is just so far out there, you know, the, the idea of robots taking people's jobs or the idea of drones operating within businesses? You know, some people tend to think, well, that's not going to happen to me right now. 
So going to your point of uh, embracing that technology, do you think there's, there's right. first an element of believing that this is something I'm going to need to embrace? That there definitely is, and especially you know, if companies want to be staying at the forefront of their technology. So there's, I mean, I've, I've seen it. There's a lot of resistance to that, right? Which does become a problem for the, the company, right? Because startup companies, you, you know, can start up with that technology and become uh, competition. I think I've seen you know, lots of lots of larger businesses. In fact, I think I've seen the CEO of GE says, you know, I'm not worried about the other big businesses as my competitors. I'm worried about the startup that I don't know anything about who's going to steal all my business. And I think, you know, that that's where people and regular employees aren't necessarily thinking about that. Again, this is where communications from executives to help set up expectations about this will go a long way to helping because, you know, maybe you might not lose your job to a robot, but maybe your company will fail because another company is using robots. Yeah, I mean, the, the, that, that question you just alluded to is the one, you know, people are writing entire books based upon this. Uh, is, it, is it a real thing? Is, is there really a threat that we're, you know, X percentage of, of the workforce are gonna lose their jobs to robots? Or actually, is there a far more nuanced answer that we should be considering? <laughs> I, I think it's, you know, a combination of things. I think it's, when you're talking about high-level macroeconomic concepts like that, it's very easy to get kind of lost in it and also to say it doesn't apply to me, right? So, great, 70% of people might lose their jobs to robots, but I'm not one of them. It's not going to be me, yeah. <laughs> right? But We're all clean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, first is, is we have to get rid of that sort of a, a, a mindset to it, right? So, it, it can happen. The other thing that I think we need to remember is while it's happening slowly, we also tend to naturally think in terms of linear growth, uh, right? So we can think about things, you know, like what is five feet away? What is 10 feet away, right? I can double it, right? We've got a a mindset for that. What we don't have a a, a clear mindset of is exponential growth and exponential technology, right? So, uh, you know, what's gonna happen if it grows at an exponential rate of, of two times? And this is, I think, where the real danger happens because it can happen very suddenly, right? There's nothing that's happening, nothing that's happening. Then suddenly there's a, a widespread adoption. There's something that's new in the technology that suddenly makes it widespread. Yeah, and we've seen, that, seen this, right? You know, moving from landline phones to cell phones to smartphones, that didn't take very long. No. Yeah. True. Well, that's 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 why I asked about the pace of change. I mean, you talk about the industrial revolution, and from you know the point of an architecture, sorry, an agriculturally led economy, then to the industrial revolution to where we are right now. There's there's been a long time, hundreds of years in between those periods. The get the pace of change between now and when robots do take over the world, uh, as you say, could be expon- down to exponential growth. Right, and, and I think you know what we have to remember is it's not just robots and artificial intelligence. It's all these other things from new technology, um, new materials that can can change. A a breakthrough in in new materials can lead to a breakthrough in in robotics. Um, And where does that leave people? (laughs) I think that's that's the good question, right? So I think all of us (laughs) need to be thinking about this. You know, not necessarily worried or, or scared, um, but understanding, you know, well, who is it that we are? Um, what makes us special? Um, that, that's ultimately the, the question, right? 
robots and artificial intelligence, right? They're being built to be more like humans. Um, a lot of our thought processes are to be more like machines and how to compete with machines. And that's the wrong way, right? The robots are trying to be more human. So we should be trying to be more human and understand ourselves better. Yeah. Um, but that's also, you know, a lot of times we find that to be kind of scary to do. Yeah. You know, to dive in a little bit deeper um, about us, you know, because we have to face our own fears. We have to confront them. Um, yeah. I mean, we think about replacement of tasks and this kind of thing. But if we all have more time potentially because we can automate more tasks, then, then maybe we, we have the opportunity to pursue new areas of sort of human endeavor or excellence or altruism or building a, you know. It could, it could be a, a, a big element of growth for, the hu for humankind. Uh, that's and, and we don't necessarily know what those are, right? Because we don't have the time to do that right now. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, we see this, you know, time and again, you know, the jobs of, you know, five years from now, who knows what those most popular jobs are. The top jobs today, nobody had an idea what those were five years ago. No. Like, nobody was talking about artificial intelligence five years ago. Who would have known that artificial intelligence would be one of the, the hottest jobs today? Social media managers was another one, yeah? Yeah. Not any of that, right? No, nobody would have known any of these things. So five years from now, um, we just won't know. So we just have to learn how to deal with the um, uncertainty. Right? So we prepare ourselves that we're ready for whatever whatever comes. Yeah, I mean that that who knows what and when question is is incredibly important to this because you know if, if you're a company investing, then you you want to understand whether there's some sort of first mover advantage or whether actually you're better off allowing another organisation to invest, <coughs> and make a mistake, and then you follow on with a kind of optimised solution. Then, then for individuals, there's there's a point of view of what's what's going to enhance me or give me a competitive edge or or you know new uh, personal experiences in my in my leisure time. You know, you could go on you could go on LinkedIn today and find 100 people saying that virtual reality is going to be huge next year, and 100 people saying it's overhyped, it's not coming for five years. You know, consumer adoption's lagging way behind. So, the question I'm going to ask, and it's probably not possible to answer particularly easily is how do you prepare yourself to understand the what and the when that you need to commit and when uh, you know, <laughs> honing a sense of, of when it's becoming mainstream should we be actually asking our kids every day what they're using you know where are those triggers and cues that we might take yeah well, I think you know the when doesn't matter so much um, you know these things are, are developing whether it happens a year from now or five years from now um, it's going to, to happen. And so one of the other things I think that gets, needs to be factored in is where are you in your career, right? So if you're early in your career, it's going to happen. If you're on the verge of retirement, it may not be as much of a concern for you. If you're in the middle, that's, you know, <laughs> you know a, more, more of a problem. And, and you're going to have to learn to navigate these. You're going to have to pick and choose which ones are the most interesting to you. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, you can't learn them all. You should be aware of as many as you possibly can and, and pick the ones that you like and the ones that resonate with you. And, and how do people keep up, though? I mean, with all of the new technology that's out there, uh, what are the best ways to stay on top of that kind of information, you know, when it's just alarming how quickly things change? Sure. It, it's starting. Um, I think, you know, 
a lot of times we think we have to know it all and take it all in all, all at once. That, that's not the case, right? So it's not moving so fast that you have to learn and become an expert at any one of these technologies immediately, right? So it's incremental. It's spending a little bit of time every day learning a little bit something more um, and, and being consistent, right? This is a, a, not a, a sprint. Um, you know, it's, it's like more of a marathon and, and you just keep going, but you have to start and you have to keep going. Um, otherwise, it's, it's not going to do you much good. And then some of the, the, the big topics that, that are looming on the horizon, and it's very interesting in terms of uh, the supply chain world and the manufacturing world that we're looking in are around cryptocurrency to a degree, but really the blockchain technology that sits behind mm -hmm. that um, in terms of building these real-time networks of information and these kind of trust mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. networks within supply chain. What's your take on where those technologies might get to in the, in the short to medium and long-term future? Sure, I think, you know, so obviously there's a wide variety of the, the technologies that are available out there. Right. So there's the, the technology under Bitcoin, there's the Ethereum, um, you know, there's more being developed um, all the time. Ethos is another one that's been in the news lately. Um, so there's many of them um, and none of them are quite ready to be integrated all, all through a, a process like this. Um, but they're, they're getting there and I think part of it is um, you, know, you want to be experimenting with one. Um, you want to be looking at a couple of the technologies to see which one might fit um, best in, in your particular work environment. Each one of them has strengths and, and weaknesses. Uh, and I, I couldn't tell any one company which one is the right one for, for you, yeah. right? You have to go through and, and assess them like you would any other, any other technology. Say, well, which one? And then start some, some pilot projects with it to, to understand them and how they might fit in. And, and be ready to say, well, this isn't going to work, or this one isn't going to work. Um, but know that this this is an important thing to at least you know be researching and, and understanding because it, it could revolutionize your, your business. And and the first one to do it might have a, a really good competitive advantage. Of course, the ones who follow soon after will, will benefit from that. Um, yeah, but you need to know. You know, you can't follow soon soon after a, a market leader if you haven't been you know, doing the work all along yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess the, the bit that people are, are concerned about, whether they're experts themselves or, or learning this journey is around this leadership piece of how do you bring your people with you, whether that's retraining or reskilling the people that you have or whether that's actually accepting that you need to get some... Well, some it's, also, it's also an element of educating them on the importance of adopting this new technology using it within their organizations um right. so there are leader you know a lot of the things that we talk about as well with our membership community is is a lot of technology that's great but now what and how do we right. implement that within our organizations how do we take the teams with us do you have any thoughts on that yeah i think one of the big things that I, i've seen is there's just is not enough communication from leadership to the rank and file members in the company about the new technologies and what they're they're thinking about um, so a lot of times, you know, people may want to learn it, but they don't know what the right thing to learn is because they don't know what the direction of the, the company is. It, it stops somewhere in, in an executive or director level. Uh, somebody doesn't want to give out the information for whatever reason. Um, so that needs to stop. Yeah. Uh, 
um, you know, and, and, and communicate those visions. Um, you know, one place that I saw that started doing this was um, AT&T, the telephone company. Yeah. They were, the CEO was very clear. He's like, we're on a journey into the future and we're learning new technologies and we're going to invest in our people, um, but you have to do this. Now, I know not all of you are going to want to do this, you know, and at some point, you know, you're going to either choose to leave or, you know, be told to leave. Yeah. Right. But that least, you know, gave people the opportunity and said, you know, I want to bring all of you along yeah. with us. Um, if you want to, this is where we're going. Remove the doubt as well about what kind of company are we? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, more and more companies need to do that. Right. So startups are, are very clear on that. But yeah. when you get big, it, it's, it's harder to do that. It's harder to make sure that message gets filtered out. Um, and, and executives really need to make sure that they've got that, that clear message on there. Now, one of the places where there can be a conflict is if their strategy is, well, what we're going to do is buy another smaller company and put it in here and then just get rid of everybody. Mm. They probably don't want to communicate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, but the problem is that with keeping things quiet, if it's, there's no communication, then people feel the wor fear the worst, and then they become an enemy of technology and, and disruptive thinking, and, uh, and that could be dangerous for a business too. Right, and that, that's especially dangerous for like today's business, um, because they're, they're not motivated today, um, they're not making the changes that are necessary to move the company forward, so it's, an, it's a challenge to today's, today's products. Um, so we need to, we need to be thinking in a more sustainable business pattern. And mapping, mapping the future, planning, skills, technologies, all of the above. We've kind of come quite nicely to where we started in a sense, which is that it's not necessarily about those individual pieces. It's about, as you actually would do in any area, whether it's an era of disruption or the, you know, the first industrial mm. revolution, if you're, if you're able, to, right. you're able to, to make some plans for the future that incorporate all the key technologies, but also the change management, the people skills, the leadership, you'd be in a better position, irrespective. Exactly. I think, you know, the disruption that can happen, the exponential technologies, that makes it all the more necessary to do it. You know, when we're in a, a pattern of just steady, stable growth, you know, and consolidation like we've been in for the last 20 or so years or 30 years, um, you know, it's, it's easy to say, you know, just get in the trap of saying, well, we don't have to worry about this, but it's when these, all of this disruption starts happening, um, you know, you've got to communicate better with your teams. Um, you've got to make sure that they're, they've got the tools and this knowledge and skills that they need to, to adapt and, and, and yeah, because you can't move fast enough. And I guess what, one thing we, we haven't asked, and this might be, this might be a kind of summation of all, of all the conversations that's gone before is, how do you feel we're going to be after this? Are you optimistic or actually are we actually, are we facing a threat? What's your take on it given the amount of research and thinking you've done around this topic? Well, it's going to be a mix of things for, for, you know, for people who are able to adapt, it's going to be great. Um, for the people who, who don't, um, you know, they're going to have, have problems. And in the transition, like any transition, it, it's not, not easy. Um, I think you know, a lot of times people will tell you about the past industrial revolutions and say, well, we came out of the industrial revolution and we were much better off. And yeah, but that happened over how many years? Exactly. Uh, and the first, first one, you know, the, the industrial revolutions last, you know, 40 to 80 years, right? So that's, 
you know, two or three working generations of, of people who are living with constant disruption. So uh, we should be very thankful and grateful for the people who lived through that, um, you know, and, and did what they had to do to bring us to where we are, are today, right? But we forget living through that change was, was not easy. Um, you, know, you can look at like the Luddite rebellions and stuff. Yeah. That was right. I mean, very difficult for, for them, right? I mean, not only did they not want to change, right? But, you know, their entire livelihoods were, were threatened. Um, and, and realistically, I mean, they're, I mean, we know what happened to them, right? They, all of their, their jobs were replaced by, by machines. Um, so what happened to them, right? We don't hear the stories about what happened to those people afterwards. You know, well, we do, we do know that the, the terms still exist today, though, you know, to yes. be a light. So the, the question is whether or not we're going to, we're facing the same thing now. Are we going to have those, you know, companies that are going to fall under the Luddite side of things? <laughs> you know, and I think that was going to be the next question I was going to ask. How many, well, it's kind of hard to predict, even though your job had been to predict quite a lot about the future, but what does the future look like? You know, what, what, where are we in terms of, do you think the same companies that were dominating the field 100 years ago, 50 years ago, are going to be the same companies that are going to be doing so in 20 years? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, a good way of looking at this is, um, actually just in the news yesterday, right? Uh, General Electric. Was, yeah, out of the Dow Jones. Yeah. You know, right, they were the last original company in the Dow Jones. Um, so now it's all new. Look at the Standard & Poor's uh, 500 and the length of time that pe that companies are in the S&P 500 has declined. Yeah. You know, you know it, it used to be you know, like 50 years, it's down to 20, maybe yeah. five years now. Um, you know, so you don't stay on, on, on top for very long. You might be lucky, and they're a lucky few, but um, generally speaking, no. So, so to sum up, I guess the keys are communication, leadership, right, and trying things out, adapting. Yes, and, and, and having that vision, yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, Larry, thanks so much thank for joining you, us. Yeah, thank you so much for chatting with us. Yeah. My pleasure. <laughs> this is great.